What is going on, everybody? It is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. Uh, this is the Hold That Podcast podcast episode number. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know why I started to name that. I should have never. Just take a guess, honestly. Put that in the intro. Uh, episode number 56. Honestly, I like it. That's a good guess. Um, well, have we been on for a year I yet? I think we're about a... I was literally just going to say, I think we're like a week away from a year. I'm going to so look it up. So let's say like episode 52 coming up on the best week, which is 53, because it's the best number, because that was my number and football. And I have always and will always identify myself by the years that I spent and define myself by the years that I spent playing football age 18 to 23. Um, and that's why I do an LSU football podcast. I'm your host, T-Bob Bear. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, the uber-talented Brody Miller. He writes for TheAthletic.com. This is uh, an athletic podcast, so go to TheAthletic.com slash hold that podcast. You get 40% off sign-up code. Uh, it is Tuesday, like I said, August, uh, whatever I said it was, and it's crazy out here right now. Um, if you're listening in the future, we are months deep into quarantine, and throughout this entire quarantine, there has been kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, and that was college football. And uh, football, at least, you know, for me, it's going to be different for different people, right? And it appears that, uh, well, that light could be threatened or could be dimmed. I don't know. It's crazy right now. Welcome in, Brody. Brody, what's up, dude? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird vibe today in the in the old Miller and Bear households. But before we actually get to all, like, the actual serious stuff that we're about to discuss, and it's probably going to be a, a serious pod, but I want to ask, it's been about three hours since you can, you chugged some beef fizz yeah an entire cup of beef fizz and first break down for our listeners what that is and i want to know three hours later like it seemed like you actually enjoyed it more than you expected but how's your body feeling in the past three hours i don't know what the etymology of the beef fizz is either in real life or in meme form yeah uh it must have made its way around the internet recently i think i came across it on billy gomilla's twitter um, from Valley Shook. Yeah. Did you do one team, one pot? Yeah. Anyway, I came across it on Billy's Twitter. And it's it, there's this picture from an old recipe book that is going around. And it's called a beef fizz. And it is two cups of broth, um, one cup of ginger ale, and then a couple tablespoons of lemon. Uh, I just did a, you know, a two-to-one ratio, right? I didn't drink two cups or three cups worth of liquid beef fizz. Um, I drink a coffee, a, a work mid-sized coffee cup worth of beef fizz. Uh, but yeah, all you do is you pour both those broths, you pour the broth in there, pour your uh, your ginger ale in there, a couple lemon, and you serve it chilled. I had just took my stuff out of the fridge. And uh, it was like, it was, it was pretty good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was, when I smelled the, I think there's a reason why I was in an old recipe book. When I smelled the beef broth, I was obviously very skeptical. I was very nervous going in. And then when I actually tasted it, uh, there is uh, like something to be said for the sweet and savory fizzy mixture. So what's like your flavor breakdown in there? Like are you mainly getting a beefy taste or like how much is like the other flavors popping in there? I'm curious. Uh, no, I mean beef's the star of the show. Okay, okay. No doubt. Uh, but show. I mean co-starring... And a pretty prominent role, I would say, is the ginger ale. Now, I had a Whole Foods, like, super organic Jamaican-style ginger ale, which has a very interesting flavor to begin with and is less sugary than, like, your Schweppes uh, or something okay. along those lines. I think it's called Dr. Reed's or something. And uh, 
And, and, and that was pretty prominent. I would say that was surprisingly prominent. But, um, but yeah, overall, it was kind of good. I will say not enjoyable. Well, like, I don't know if it was kind of good. It just wasn't bad. Yeah. It kind of it just was interesting. Uh, but there were, there was a heavy, heavy uh, beef aftertaste. And, and I described them as aftershocks earlier on because, like, that they feels would kind right. of come in waves. Yeah. Um, also, when I put on my mask again, obviously, I was um, made immediately aware of the amount of beef that I think was pouring out of my breath and, like, my kind of face in general. And even now, after... And, and, and the other day, I bought, like, gum for the car because, you know, I'm smelling my breath all the time now. I don't want to keep it good. Um, and uh, and so even though after gum, after brush, after all this stuff, I am still getting little, like, beef, beef lightning burps. strikes. Yeah. Yeah, beef bursts where it just pops up. But, uh... I was gonna, yeah, I that feel was an like, extensive breakdown of my beef is. I appreciate it. No, because my prediction would have been like some just serious indigestion for the next few hours. You know, I, I imagine like heartburn coming in hot, but I, that's just my speculation. No, nothing yet. Nothing right. yet. Maybe it was because I'm drinking a smaller amount of it. I'm not sure. I mean, I definitely would not recommend drinking more than a cup, which is what I drink of beef fizz. Challenge like, accepted. A cup, you should be fine. Challenge accepted. Well, I guess uh, now is the time to pivot now to the less fizzy conversation or the more fizzy conversation. I don't know. Which is definitely more volatile. More volatile, which is the fact that, I mean, basically over the last 48 hours, there went from a pretty strong optimism there would be college football in some capacity to the, well, honestly, it's been a roller coaster, right? It went from very positive to, I think it's literally over. I mean, I was talking to people who like really know their, their stuff and they were like, it's over. Like, I think it's going to be done by Monday. And then by Monday night, it was like, on well... Sunday, on Sunday, you were hearing this? Yeah, yeah. And then by by last night, it's, you know, well, you know, I, now I think it might just be a delay, which, I mean, I, I mean, we'll get to this, but I don't really know if delay is actually going to lead to any difference of overall answer than, than one or the other. But yeah, I mean, now it seems like there is some hope. And then there's the whole thing of... There's the we want to play movement, but people don't really seem to understand what that movement is actually asking for, which is maybe my funniest thing I've learned from Monday is that <laughs> people are just like co-opting this for what they want to believe. And it's been a, a fascinating 48 hours. And honestly, just the social media and journalistic worlds. Yeah, it's um, it's it's it, it, it is hard to fathom. It feels like uh, it took me more unaware than it probably should have. I feel like around 5 p.m. on Sunday night, I started seeing the first tweets, and I was like, "Ooh!" I, or no, 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 it was. I think it was Sunday during the day at some point. Ross had that SI article yeah. about the potential uh, heart issues. Then you're hearing that the Big Ten's going to cancel, the Pac-12 is going to cancel, all the leagues are going to cancel, and all of a sudden, like. Sunday night, I felt like I was really forced to, for the first time, and this is on me, it's on me for being short-sighted here, being obstinate, whatever you want to call it, but for the first time, I felt like I really had to confront the reality of no college football. And uh, and I will be completely frank, you know, with someone whose entire job basically revolves around that, uh, It, I mean, it, it, it yeah, it's it's pretty daunting, I, I, I would say, thinking about um, you know, what, what, what we would do, uh, and, and like sports talk radio and all this stuff, just without, without LSU and college football to talk about, given that that's our, you know, that, that's our main butter, you know, that's what butters our bread. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I I feel like our listenership is generally like a you know a pretty into we have an intimate relationship with our because it's a small but but yes, loyal I've group. Yes, I slept and, with every one of them. <laughs> yeah, no, biblically, yeah. And I would say, I mean, I I'm not afraid to admit. I mean, I pretty much spent most of my yesterday like trying, aside from trying to report on all this, like trying to map out my plans like life wise. If like there isn't a football season because and we're just going to get this out of the way and it's kind of become a tired twitter conversation but like there is this common thing that it's well you know sports writers are rooting for this to fail they want to say i told you so and it's like i've said this on our show before we're like the people who you're yelling at they're pointing stuff out because they want people to be you know smart so that there actually is a football season they are being hard asses so that there is a football season and anyway but that's aside from the point but like we are all like genuinely invested and we do not know what will happen if there's not a football season baton rouge and the whole state of louisiana if we're just going to go local is going to be hit really hard without a football season and i don't know what i mean what's going to hold for any of us but so i mean yeah i'm of course i'm rooting for a football season but i think it just it's the thing we have to repeat that like blows my mind. We have to repeat is that we we want it to make sure it's safe. And then, but what's really unfortunate, and I'm just like having to come to terms with the fact that we just live in a, a society that no longer believes anything. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. I'm not even because yeah. we'll hear. There's the myocarditis stuff that's coming out of with the heart disease with yeah. the heart effects of this. And I mean, basically, I mean, the 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 papers are saying that. Like if you if you have COVID, there, there's a good chance that you were going to have severe heart issues but then there are i mean you're seeing it on twitter literally as we speak there are other doctors like respectable doctors who are coming out saying like don't listen to this 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 is not something that you should be basing your opinion off yeah and it's like so i don't blame somebody for doubting anything so it's like anything i say i am gonna listen to doctors but then i have two doctors telling me something and so i'm not gonna look down on you for ignoring this because i don't know what to make of any of it and that's what made has made this so difficult yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of wild, Brody. It reminds me of something that I was lamenting on the show yesterday, um, and it's something that really it's it's been interesting for me. I'm 31 years old now. I've been doing full time uh, daily radio since I I was 23, so or 24. So I mean, I'm coming. To, I think I may have been doing this for like eight years, right? Every day, like talking to listeners. Um, back at WWL, we used to talk a lot more politics. And so I had a lot more kind of, uh, debates and stuff. Right. And, and during the 2016 election, I remember I was really struck when I was really into politics and reading a lot, trying to figure out like both sides or whatever. Um, I was just really struck by exactly what you're talking about that, that you can always find like an expert opinion for whatever point you want to prove, even to that point to appear to be completely at odds with one yeah. another. And, and it's just, it's this feeling that like, here we are. And, and for me, what, what I was kind of shocked by then, and I think all of this is just exacerbated uh, mightily in the, in the four years since, but I guess what I was shocked by then is I always had a very naive assumption that because we lived in the age of information, right, with the internet, all yep. of the human knowledge that are fingertips in our pocket every day, like I thought that that it would be easier to find objective, true things that like everybody could agree on and whatnot. And 
it's just been it's been the complete opposite right like in the age of information everything becomes disinformation like you never can convince anybody of anything or even know what to think yourselves a lot of times for exactly what you just said and 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 then you start to go deep and you try to think about why that is and it's like i'm it's if, if it's the unprecedented access to information that we have, right? It's like the internet, all this is out there. It's like the printing press on steroids. Of course, there's going to be these crazy ripple effects. And then you throw in the creation of social media and, and, and these algorithms that are built to figure us out and they create these echo chambers. And, and it's just like, it's, it's, <laughs> it just feels very, uh, it's easy to get very cynical, very kind of, depressed about the ability to agree on almost anything anymore yeah. and it makes it impossible to know about what's going to happen like with something like college football this fall and and i actually have a way to almost tie this back in which is i mean the you're talking about 2016 and guys like we're not going to stay on politics so don't like stop listening immediately we're just i'm, I'm first finishing here is that in 2016 i mean the number one thing was I mean, there were these really good investigations into f- literal fake news in, in America and online on Facebook and all these things, convincing a decent amount of the population of things that were just blatantly untrue. And Washington Post and a few other outlets did some credible investigations on this and like proved it. And then, but it's the ability to co-op things. Is that then fake news, which is a very real problem in America, then got co-opted by an entire party as to be like anything they don't like or anything they don't agree with. You can just yell fake news, and then people will laugh and be like, "Haha!" And then they'll they'll like agree with like they will ignore the news now because they you don't agree with it, and that's now like one of the biggest problems in our country the last four four years is that something that was a very real problem got co-opted into something else. And I say that to say we're seeing it right now. Because Sunday night and most of Monday, the hashtag we want to play movement took off big time. And it was really cool to see Trevor Lawrence has been honestly, it's been amazing to watch Trevor Lawrence like rise into one of the number one voices in all of college sports right now. He's a guy who has and I I really do have a lot of thoughts on this. Like he's a guy who has nothing to play for this year. He could sit out this season. And I think it's almost a guarantee he'd be one, two or three in the draft, depending on like how everything lands. He's and, and he's always been just kind of a. He's always seemed a bit more like a quiet, keep to himself, do the right thing kind of guy, and he's been vocal and he's taken these long stances and he's and he went on this you know, long Twitter rant about how they're safer on the complex, you know, at, at Clemson, all these things, and all that's true, by the way. And but they also tweeted out a, a list of demands about unionizing, and this movement was about unionizing, and and that's also we'll get to that a huge part of why I think. It's, conferences are also ready to to pull the plug it's not just about the hard stuff it's not just about covid it's also about the perfect storm of that mixed with unionization is really real in 2020 college well, sports well, are, real are quick, really getting close real yeah. quick just to jump in on that point i i do think that if 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 these conferences think that not playing will weaken the movement or the the formation of a union that's been one of the most fascinating results of all of this is that the complete inverse has taken place and i would not have seen that right just three weeks ago we had athletes wanting to unionize saying they were not going to play that's how it normally works in any industry ever you strike uh you withhold work right to get what you want here we have this fascinating topsy-turvy type of situation that's so unique because there's not many power dynamics like that of the NCAA to their student athletes and how much money they make versus how little the 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 you know the actual labor gets but but here you have a union 
that is looking to form in order to work, in order to play, which is wildly different than just what it was a couple weeks ago. And I, I didn't see that coming. It's been an interesting kind of knock-on effect. And I guess where I was going with that, if, if they're yeah. making a decision thinking that this is going to slow down unionization, that, that's that's not true. It may it may uh, accelerate it. And if anything, no, I, it, a players' association just feels inevitable at this point. I completely agree with you. I guess my, my theory is, and it's not too substantiated, but my theory on this is all, one, yeah, I think they want to quiet this down, which I think is probably a bad strategy. But two... I think they want to punt a little bit because they need to plan because they realize this is really happening. And I, and I, like I said, I think it's happening. Like, I don't think this is going anywhere. I know we agree on that. Like it is so strong right now. It's something that's been building for the last decade or more. But now, I mean, with everything happening in America and, and with COVID, everything, I mean, it is unionization or something in that realm is going to happen. And once that happens, college sports will never be the same again. You it's not like you can just like dip your toes in the water. Once that happens, once players really have a seat at the table and actually have a bargaining power position, everything about amateurism and college sports is probably going to change. So I think I, I think it's like these conferences to some extent are trying to punt to be like, we need to really plan for this and how to handle this and you know, maybe even try to squash this. But like you know, like oh, I, I so really you think, think they're delaying even to, to see but, but the, the thing is there though if like I, I'm just spitballing to be clear. No 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 I know I know we're we're theorizing. We're theorizing, right? And and these are just Love angles it. I hadn't considered. So so in in theory, they could be delaying in order to uh, be like, okay, how do to, to be able to plan? Like, how do we then deal with the union? I think the problem with that would because be, that's everything. That is the ultimate end all problem. Like that is the number one thing. Yeah, but idle hands are the socialist playthings, and if these players aren't. <laughs> Uh, playing football. Sorry, sorry. I just really think like if we were trying to describe like what our podcast is to like a casual listener, I would just show that clip again because that is it. Idle hands are the socialist playthings. The yeah, former exactly. LSU center players, says after drinking beef if, is. If players aren't playing football, then they'll have even more time to actually figure this out, right? Like, oh, I agree. The, great, yeah. the greatest thing working against the players right now is that. For and unionization, that player association, that's all long term. Like it, it, you can't have it happen in just a couple of weeks. You can't have it happen over one quick zoo, like video meeting. However, they met the other night. Um, but 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 the seed has been planted. It's a nice start. If you don't play football, then that's all those players are going to be working at, and they're going to have time to talk to lawyers and talk to representatives and time to to figure out uh, what is the next best step. If, um, you know, if that doesn't have, if you do play football, then at least you have like six months where, yeah, you can prepare for the inevitable. And if they're not preparing for a player association, then they're just being obstinate to the point of malfeasance, in my opinion. It just, it, that would be ridiculous, though. Well, their whole strategy heard- from the very start has been just like, Push down the road, push down the road, yeah. push down the road. I mean, I'm talking for the last like two decades has been because they realize like once that levy breaks, it's over. And like, I really, I'm not saying I literally. In LI, we're the cracks in the dam that's going to bust it all wide open. Uh, COVID. I mean, if we're being this- honest, all of college sports is, it's a sham. <laughs> like it is ridiculous. The entire well, I don't know about all. What, I, I think that, see, to me, I only cross over into territory of. Something needs to change when you're talking about revenue generating sports, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's a I very mean, capitalistic problem, approach. Yeah. But like, look, football makes a ton of money. 
Those the the players see part of the money. The basketball makes a ton of money. The players should see part of that money. As far as the other, and, and it's not all the money. Like you, you have to figure things out. You have to adjust portions of the budget. Like you can still figure out ways to help fund these other athletic programs to the, the level that they need. And then you have fun. Uh, like I love smaller college sports because they allow uh, teams to exist and people to continue playing sports that they that they wouldn't otherwise and like I, I don't feel like there's a huge exploitation there because uh there's not a ton right. of money being made right there's a ton of resources now a ton of time investment resources they work just as hard as anybody else but i think the friction why people get upset just comes from like the ncaa making multiple billions of dollars and then the athletes creating that revenue not getting uh you know their just piece that's it's very uh, not very capitalistic. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I mean, I, I was being over the top. I don't think all college sports is bad. I think, like you said, I, I don't want to make it sound like I think that the the punter at Akron's getting, you know, a, a raw deal or something. It's just, it. I mean, the entire, but you can't try to tell me the entire, like, concept of amateurism and the entire business model is fundamentally, like, it's the same people who are like raw rock capitalism all the time are the ones that are like, well, you know, like that's just amateurism's important and like capitalism doesn't matter now. And that's, I mean, literally it's a made up concept that they're sticking to like law for about a hundred years now. I mean, it's a made yeah. up concept. There's no yeah. reason when I, I mean, this isn't a new take, but when I was a college student, guess what? I was able to make some money on the side while I was getting like tech, I was getting scholarship money. I was still, I was not restricted from having another job. There is n- no real reason why an athlete should be any uh, different. That, I mean, that is a great point. You, that is such a good point. The, the entire concept of amateurism is dumb. And to be fair, um, if you look at the top 10 potential earners on name, image, likeness stuff, um, there are multiple females like on that list or, or, oh or, or, or could earn. College right? so, gymnasts. Yeah. Women's yeah, basketball yeah, players. Yeah. So, so, so many yeah. of them. You're right. But the, the whole concept of amateurism is, is made up. And it's at the core of all of this because if you did have a players association and uh, they were compensated and they were empowered to make uh, these sort of decisions like an NFLPA is where they can say, okay, we agree to these guidelines, we know the risks, and we are opting in to play. You could potentially still have a college football uh, season this fall. Now, we are the, the Pac-12 medical report, bombshell report that's being teased, we've not read yet, we've not released yet. Maybe there's information yeah. there that makes us all untenable right but in theory if you had a player association you could agree and then the school would not be liable right and 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 then the conference would and that is what to me is really at the heart of all of this it is liability risk and 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 not necessarily i'm not saying this isn't a factor it's a definite factor pat dell's paid for good intentions you want to keep these players safe but brody what do you think like are players safer in a football game sort of schedule fall or a like off-season go-to-school workout sort of fall? Because that, 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 that would be the two differences. Yeah, there. and I'm glad you said that because there was this bizarre like argument going around that like it's safer to keep them on campuses. Hi, nobody's arguing they're not leave, like they're leaving campuses. No one's arguing that like a canceled football season means they go home. That's not what that means. Like Anyway, yeah, so we're on the same page. But... Um, I, I mean, it's a question. It's a really, really good question. It's something I'm trying to like actually learn more about. I mean, 
yes, I think it's by definition probably riskier to be going and meeting with more different schools and different states every weekend. Like, I think by definition, that's probably adding more risk. And then you obviously add you're playing a sport where you're in constant contact with them, and it's a new group of people that isn't necessarily in a bubble or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, this is not me saying you should or shouldn't play. I, I mean, I am of the belief that, like, there is some semblance of risk that does have to happen. But, but yeah, I, I, do th- I would assume that playing a season is just by definition riskier because – if you play a season, there's still students, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I guess I'd be assuming there'd be, like, no fans uh, at this point if you played a season. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, the, the only thing to if, – if you wanted to argue the counter, um, I, I, I – but this is, like, not really quantifiable, right? I, I do think that having a an active season is such a – there's such a rhythm to it and you're so busy and you're so kind of hyper focused that uh you could you you could make the argument that like players would be more locked in right or less likely to go out and go to parties or whatnot um but there's still good but but a percentage of that is going to happen no matter what you do if it gets canceled there will be a little bit of screw mentality I, i i would agree with you there wholeheartedly um so then the other I, well, question okay, though is so this okay, yeah, yeah. now that we're thinking oh, about yeah. this so why is why is the school scared of liability then if there's a season versus being scared of liability just keeping them at school in the football buildings working out if we're saying that essentially you know that roughly that they're not too different from one another like I guess I'm changing my takes on the fly here I'm, I'm, I'm just us talking about it I'm thinking about things differently than I have the last two ways. I've been reacting to so much of this live. Before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Indochino. And before I answer you, I just actually like want to say because sometimes I hate that like by the definition of like the way I view an argument, it sounds like I'm saying I don't want football or like that I'm arguing against football. And I'm if anything, I'm more like arguing against the reasons they're pushing. If that makes sense, like I think that the reasons people are pushing and the reasons a lot of these like conferences and programs are pushing is very disingenuous and not actually like because the players want to play like I think it's for very selfish benefits and that's and I think like I think they're just going to do any kind of rigor like just changing and manipulating to try to make it seem like they're doing the right thing by playing that's I think the only thing that angers me but god if they could find a way to play safely yes I want that absolutely oh my goodness yes anyway sorry no, I just but, like but, wanted but, to but, say but, that for but the that record. is the thing though but what is the difference yeah, no, no. Your question was a great one, and I'm trying to figure out my. answer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, so I guess maybe we can't answer. I mean, I think there's something about they. I mean, I, I'm starting this. I flat out don't know the answer, but I think there's something either. to do with like you're getting an unpaid labor force, and I know there's the whole like you're getting a scholarship thing, but still, like it's an unpaid labor force that has no bargaining power. You know, being put at extra risk over, you know. Like they're being put at extra risk to make a product happen, and maybe it's just optics. well. No, 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 you're right. You're right. Okay, again, I think the answer is probably right in front of our face. It's the amateurism thing, because yeah. of a- amateurism is the same reason why you can't have students. Uh, or, or actually, are they doing this in California? Can you have students going online, uh, like online only, and then have football players on campus? 
So that is the big thing. I think like as of a few months ago, I remember when there was that Mike Pence meeting, like there was a whole thing that came out of it that was like, well, they can't play football with if, if students aren't there. And then but then you've heard other you know higher up people being like, that's not really true. There's no reason for that. But I think that comes down to the whole amateurism thing. And it's something you and I talk about on the show actually a decent amount, which is like if you just admit that students aren't the like, college football players are not like other students. Mm hmm. You could solve a lot of this. I mean, like I, I, I do have a hard time visualizing a real bubble, but maybe there is something you can do with regional, you know, bubbles and whatnot. But yeah, I just think it requires them. Well, actually I, I don't admitting. mean a bubble. I meant like. Um, no, I know you didn't mean I, that. No, no, I'm saying it just in terms of like, I, I, ideally, if your just main goal was to play football, you would have no students on campus, but you would have football players there. It's just that that yes. always felt like a breakdown in amateurism. Thinking about that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it. I, I just think if, if they could do that, yeah, this seems all a little more doable. But but then and then you add in, so you have that whole that's the thing. I don't think I don't think that just the that amateurism and all that part is why they're not gonna do it if they don't do it. And I don't think the the heart stuff is just why they wouldn't do it. But I think when you like met, mix these two or three factors together, it's like wow, you might be pushing this thing with the unionization, the players' rights and all those things. And you might have evidence of real heart issues coming out of this. Because, like, the number one argument out of people being, like, don't be a baby. We'll play. Like, there's always risk in life. They would always be, like, they're 25, not 21. Nothing's going to happen to them. And if there's actually evidence, there might be long-term consequences, considering this is a disease we know nothing about. That just changes the argument. So, suddenly, these two things might combine to mean, like, hey, I just don't know how you can really push forward. But I, but I, I, I say all this to say. Yeah, that's I what I was think, telling someone. The hard thing is not the main thing it's uh just the final straw sort of thing it sounds it, like it, from reading it from what decision makers are thinking but the also the thing i, I always go back to though is i still at the end of the day think the sec is going to try with everything in its power to make this happen like they are not giving up because of any heart disease they are not giving up because of unionization like the sec is pushing ahead without like fail they are trying now i, I it seems like the big 10 the pac 12 are at least going to delay pretty long or, or cancel the season today and it's who knows what the acc and the big 12 are going to do but I mean, I think the SEC, as long as they're not the only one, they are going to try. They are not giving up. And you can take that however you want to. Yeah, I mean, it just means more, right? I was, you know, it's kind of uh, it's, it's what they say. Um, I, I, I like the technique, though, honestly, because I think, I think in, in all of this, time is your enemy, right? And because we don't know what we don't know and we're still learning new things all the time. And so if you can give yourself more time and more research can be done on the heart stuff, more numbers can be gathered yeah. and you can figure out, is this an acceptable risk? Which sounds crazy. But again, in Ross Dellinger's article, the actual doctor that's talking about it says that you could still play with this. Like, yeah, like you could get by this. You would just, because it is a low number, you need to do heart screenings, which would be very expensive. And then to recover, you could be looking at like three months of like very limited physical activity, right? And then it does seem unclear if there's other cases of like permanent heart damage. So so with all that unknown, yeah, it's it's really tough to go ahead with things right now or to feel good about it right now. Which is why a, a pushing back as much as possible until you have to say no football is going to happen, I actually think is the right move here. So you can get more research and you can learn, hopefully, 
more information that'll 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 help you make uh, the correct decision. It's definitely not going to be risk free. You have to decide whether or not you believe it's an acceptable risk, and that's where the players and their situation becomes fascinating, Brody. Like, what do yeah. you think? What I mean, the players clearly on the whole want to play. Um, yep. How much of a say should they get in this type of type of choice? I mean. It's it's because it's not even about what they want. Okay, well, first off, I I always go back to this thing of like sometimes if okay if we are operating under the because if they make this if the conferences make this decision they're making it because they have some evidence of things that are pretty scary. You know what I mean? They're not just being like ah this is tricky. They want to end it. Like they're probably doing it because they actually do know some things. And if you feel strong enough that the risks are so bad that you could cancel it now. You like you have to be the grown up in the room and cancel it, even if a bunch of eighteen to twenty three year olds still want to play. You know, like that. I, I know it's aside from like but all the things. Doesn't that doesn't that strike against any argument about unionization? Or like, why is like like how does the NFL justify right now they don't playing have then? Or how how does like the Premier League justify playing? Because they, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, if they have a, a union, yeah, they can bring that to the table. But like you even said earlier in the show, like that's not going to happen between now and September no. 5th or whatever. So if you don't have it, I don't get how you can do it. Um, well, no, I, I I'm, yeah, no, but I guess, I guess I'm not asking technically what's going to happen. I'm kind of asking philosophically because yeah, I okay, don't, okay. it's a tough question to answer. Because as you said, like at what point do you step in? Where's that line? Where do you make someone wear a seatbelt? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And for me personally, I have not seen this Pac-12 medical report that people are talking about. For me personally, I don't know that I've quite reached the line where I would tell them they shouldn't get a say no matter what. I would think like in a unionized oh, no. world that I'm they should still be able to opt in. Okay, so you're not there yet either? I'm not there. No. I'm, I guess there's like, you I'm know getting how closer. I I mean, some... the hard stuff's scary. I'm hard definitely getting closer. Scary. Yeah, I mean, I think literally until Sunday, to be like for our audience, like I think literally until Sunday, I have been in like rationalized, rationalized, rationalized mode where I've been like rationalizing to myself why there should be football, why there can be football. So like I have been team like try to find a way. And I just think I hit a point Sunday where it's like, I don't know if I can keep rationalizing for something that like aside from money, there just isn't much smart reason to do it. Like. Yeah, it stinks for the kids. Like, well, you probably can give them another year of eligibility, and like, there are there's gonna be bummers. But guess what? There have been there have been huge consequences in the whole world for the past five months. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like there it's like sorry, but that's everyone's life is getting like hit right now. So I just like I just kind of am like, why are we doing this except for just really selfish reasons? And uh, I don't know. Well, but that, and that's, I don't, that's that's maybe a bit. Uh, it's not untrue. It's, I don't know where I'm it's, at. It's definitely a little. It's a little cynical. It's a little. It's a little. It's a little de- depressed for sure. Um, and and I, and I feel you. And and I, and I feel a lot of that. But but let's not. I mean, it, the thing is though, in arguing for something like college football, hmm, it's always going to be tough to I think to really convince people to advocate for it or or convince people of its importance because a lot of it is going to be an emotional argument. 
Like, yes, yeah. the economic argument is the dollars and cents number that you can point to and say, Louisiana, look at the knock-on effects. Louisiana could use X amount of hundreds of millions. What does that mean for small business? Like, you can do all that, and that is all true. Um, and, hell, we're probably in that number, honestly. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, but like, Absolutely. But, like... But but then, but then but that argument is one that's defeated. But yeah, but it's a game, right? I mean, it's a game. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. What is it worth, really? How we define what entertainment is worth is something that is very nebulous. It's not very exact, but it does matter. And, and like the ability for people to have, especially when people can't agree on shit anymore, just like we <laughs> talked about earlier, and everybody hates each other. The ability to have these cultural touchstones where you can agree and you can have fun. You will never see more Democrats and Republicans hanging out than at a football game or like hugging each other or like high fiving or or just generally getting along. Um, And and so for communities, there's a lot of value there beyond just the monetary value. being a kid, you have a very small window where you are able to play football. I joked earlier that I defined my life by the time that I played football at LSU, eighteen to twenty-three, mm-hmm. um, and and it it it's kind of crazy, but like those were once in a lifetime experiences that are impossible to replicate, right? And so you only have this small window. And so yeah, even from a younger adult's perspective, although it is very risky. I mean, losing that is also is is very it sucks really bad too. It it's 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 terrible. It's something that you have worked for literally your entire life. You're someone who's going to start this fall. It's something you've put all your energy towards from the time you're probably like ten years old or whatever. You, you've been you've been waiting for this moment, and then it's gone. And then what's to say in a year if you'll still be lined up for a job? If you'll still be on that team? If still like who? Well, hell, how things have gone recently? Who knows what anything could look like potentially. Um, in a year, I, I, I guess I, I don't say this to say that anybody's wrong saying that it's just being done for money. Um, but, but I also don't want to just completely discount the emotional side of it. Cause it's something that I've really been trying to think about a lot lately. Cause somebody asked me, you know, if you were still playing, what would you want to do? And I think honestly, I would want to play, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, because it does it, it does matter. It do, it it does matter, and it's it going to be matter. a huge bummer just beyond economics if it doesn't happen. And oh, I, I, like that is the part that is always you know, like I said, I've been rationalizing myself till maybe this week. Like I I am that is the part I think about every day is is that those parts and the legacies part and the love of football and like I actually like if I'm being honest, I don't even think I've been thinking as much about like my job as I have think been thinking about just how much of a shame this would be and all those things. And like, you know, I th- I'm trying to think of a good example of like a, like a Jacoby Stevens, who's like so much lies on this season and this, you know, all those things. Yeah. Like that is what I think about more on a day-to-day basis. I want that to happen more than anyone, but <coughs> we're talking about like the things that are happening in this country and all the people dying. Like, I don't know if like the sadness, somebody can't play football or like somebody's football career being thrown off the rails is like, it's a factor it just shouldn't take precedent over like if they think it's safer if it isn't you know what i mean like at the end of the day like 
we are dealing with bigger things here. And I, I, unfortunately, and I hate saying that, because literally what I do for a living is write about no, these storylines. We, we, we are dealing with bigger things, but what is, you know, where, where do you draw that line when it well, comes I don't know to when, when, when you're dealing with those things? Like, what role does entertainment play, right? I mean, you read back in like 1918 during the Spanish flu, and it's, it's that crazy picture. Have you seen it from the Georgia Tech game? Uh, there's a picture not. from the stands of a 1918 Georgia Tech game, and everybody's got masks on. Uh, <laughs> it just, it just, it's, it's just really, it's just really odd. Um, of course, Spanish flu, terrible, 50 million people dead. But the college football season that season is pretty fascinating, and it's very haphazard. You know, some teams played a lot, didn't LSU famously did not. That's the silent season. They had the uniforms for that honored, which was also tied into World War One. John Heisman and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets went six and one. Their only loss was to Pop Warner and the Pitt uh, is Pitt Panthers, uh, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Pop Warner and John Heisman were involved in that season. How about those football names? Crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, wait. I, I kind of forgot where I was going. Oh, okay. But yeah. So like, even <laughs> even even in the most horrific horrific of circumstances you know 50 million dead there was still thought to be enough entertainment value and 30,000 people actually watched that Heisman versus Warner game so yeah I, I hmm I don't know because especially if this is something akin to a new normal I mean I, I mean I, I get that the obviously society's problems at larger way larger I mean I lost my grandpa to COVID so I yeah. absolutely get it but uh but like, right? I I don't think that college football being played. Do you think it would have like that impact on society as a whole? Obviously, the biggest impact it would be would be on the athletes themselves. And and where it gets real scary is if you do play. Um, there are there are some there are articles that you can read out there that'll point towards data that will say that you'll have like almost a guaranteed few deaths. Uh, I don't know if that changes if you look at like the football only data that schools are producing. You know, stats are odd, um, but just if the numbers held like they did the general public, you'd be dealing with that. And yeah, and, and if that's the case, it's hard to justify anything. Yeah, because like, I know like, exactly, and a, a common thing is like, well, again, like they're 18 to 23 year olds, it's going to be fine. I mean, I know of at least one LSU player who's had like very weird side effects. I mean, I've been able to report it, but like they've had very weird side effects from all this that lingered for weeks. And I know of at least of one or two other players who had some... You know, they weren't like hospitalized. Moore they was uh, tweeting about it. Yeah, they lost exactly. a lot of weight. Yeah, like there've been guys who've been hit pretty hard by it. And and for what it's worth, actually, like I normally don't, don't do stuff like this, but I actually got a. Me- this is not something that happens often. So the reason I'm saying this is like I actually just got a message from a player while we're doing this podcast, just messaging me out of the blue, a link to the myocarditis stuff, and being like, "It's got to be over. Time to stop stringing us along." A player just sent me that. Uh, obviously, I Wait, they, I, he said what? He said what? It's got to be over. Time to stop stringing us along. Like, and that's a player like freaked out by the hard stuff. And I actually don't. I think that player is the minority. I think most players actually do want to play. But it's just to say, like, there are going to be. I don't know if anyone's going to die. It might happen. But like, there are going to be some pretty bad situations. Brady Feeney at Indiana was in very bad shape and hospitalized. You know, like, and I just don't know if like. What other scenario in life would you sign up for that? You know, they're like it's just like okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's tough, and it's such it's such an individual thing, right? Too, because then you have Baselli down at Florida State, who 
It was. I mean, he got hospitalized for Corona. His Tony Baselli, Tony Baselli's son, his dad, very healthy, got hospitalized by Corona, and it was uh, and and it was really scary. It was very well documented. He talked about it, and now he's in the "We Want to Play" hashtag. He is very, you know, he's been very clear about putting his foot in there. So yeah, no, I don't. And you my opinion changes every out, three days on this, the, so I'm this, not being Mr. Yeah. Righteous like I think <laughs> no, this. No, this and, is the context yeah. is King Podcast, and this is all just showing how much context a situation like this has. There's so much gray area. There's so much nuance. There's no clear answers. It's why you see leadership positions seem like they're struggling and scrambling because it's really hard to know what to do in, in unprecedented times like this. So... I think we're are we, are we wrapping up pretty much? Yeah, that felt okay. like a wrap. So up I, moment I but I do sure. want to. I got to go out on you know literally minutes before we started recording. You were tweeting some some pizza takes, looking for some Baton Rouge pizza. And are yeah. are you downplaying Florida Lee? Was that the sense I was getting? No, I love Florida Lee. People are hating on Florida Lee. Okay, I, I just, was defending Florida Lee. I couldn't get your tone right there. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not very. I'm not high on Baton Rouge pizza at all. I um, actually. I actually kind I of like, think highly like, of it. Okay, well, I hope that you'll tell me something good then because, I mean, Fleur de Lis is different and Fleur de Lis is good. Beyond that, I feel like everything else is just, you know, run-of-the-mill pizza, which is good, Well, our, our, but nothing really stand out. Our boy Tigerfunk69, just for reference, uh, Matt Porter, who is the man who won the Joe Burrow Heisman bet, 201, he, he, tw- oh, he, t- wow. he tweeted at us, grew up in Pizza Mecca, northern Illinois, and Florida Lee Pizza is without a doubt elite. I get it almost every time I come to town. It's not overrated hey, at all. Okay, I do. That and, counts for a lot. And I'm from there. Jersey, man. I'm from the, like, the other Pizza Mecca of, of the United States, which is the you know Jersey, New York. I am also Team Florida Lee. Though I love Interesting because the people hating on it were Baton Rouge natives. So it may be funny. one of those yeah. grass is always greener sides. It might be. I mean, I think Roca is the best pizza in Baton Rouge, though. I think Roca is... Unbelievable. I've never gone to Roca. I've it's never just gone. A, I think I might have gone there once. I mean, it's a it's a great it's, it's a I, great I, restaurant. I, I, I it's actually like I mean, this doesn't help either of us anymore. But it's a fantastic date spot. Like it's because it's just like that perfect mm-hmm. middle ground of like it's clearly a nice restaurant, but it's not like threatening nice and it's not too nice. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a real thing. I have like a whole theory that your first date should always be drinks, not dinner, because <laughs> drinks are casual, dinner's threatening. But yeah, like I, I, I it's that perfect bre- like middle ground, and it's like very very good food, but it's pizza, so you know, like it's you know you you feel as casual casual but it's a it's like i mean claire agrees it is one of her favorite pizzas we've ever had and and new orleans is yeah. some pretty good pizzas you know too so but yeah i, I go florida I lee need and to roca. try out roca but but roca is a sit-down place um i guess i'm also talking like what's like pizza i can pick up and i bring get broken and pick up all the time but i get your point oh okay okay that's fair then i guess you have to go to florida lee so yeah uh it's no different than that <laughs> um Somebody mentioned DeGiulio's. So there's a portion of people that love DeGiulio's, but I've never had it. And I have to admit that. Because there are people, a lot of people argue oh. like that's the best Italian. And, and bad, that's the funny thing about Baton Rouge. It's a weirdly good Italian food city. And I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but like there's like six. A lot of Italians. Like six really good, like legitimate, like I would compare it to my places in Jersey, Italian food joints in Baton Rouge, which I don't quite understand. If any listeners want to give me a history lesson, I'm all, I'm all ears. Yeah, I would like to know that as well. All right, let's wrap up. Um, huge thank you to who, who's producing this week. Mike Zimmerman. 
Shout out Mike Zimmerman. Mike, oh, Mike Zimmerman. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a bit of sloppy rambling. Yeah, our listeners won't you. actually know this, but yeah, we there was some cat issues and there was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. So really rough start. Super quarantine vibes. Uh, but And thank you to our wonderful listeners, man. Um, like I said, we're reacting to this live. We're just kind of theorizing, philosophizing. And uh, it's fun to have you all along for the ride. Thank you to Brody Miller. Uh, thank you, Brody. And um, this is the Hold That Podcast podcast. Rate it, review it. If you enjoy it, send it to your friends. Thank you so much. And we will. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday. Okay, take it easy.